Independent, totally biased, Hull Kingston Rovers. Welcome to the Red Robin Podcast with Joe Appleyard and Chris Johnson. Another podcast, another cancellation, another week of drama for Hull Kingston Rovers. In this week's episode, we discuss our last-minute game in the south of France, the postponement of the Salford game, and also preview Monday's rematch against the Catalan Dragons and the news that Mikey Lewis will be staying at York for the foreseeable future. We will also discuss the RFL and what is happening to our beautiful game. In the second part of this week's podcast, we are joined by Michael Carter, the man behind Hull KR shirts, as we discuss his love for kits, designs, and all things Hulkingston Rovers and how his collection and YouTube page has started. As always guys, this is the Red Robin podcast with myself Joe Appleyard and co-host Chris Johnson. Enjoy the show. Welcome to another edition of the Red Robin podcast. Chris, it's Thursday, it's 10 minutes past four as we're doing this. We should be on our way to Manchester. Of course, we're not, it's rugby league. It's another postponement for all Kingston Rovers, mate. I've, my voice doesn't seem it, but you know me, fuming as always. I'm looking at my tickets in front of me now. I feel like I need to go outside and burn them. Can't believe, mate, another game postponed. When is it going to end? Yeah, and that's it. If anyone's been following our uh, our social media, they'll know how mad Joe has been over the last few few days, and it's understandable, isn't it, mate? Because it's once again we're um, we're missing out on watching our team play rugby league, aren't we? And and like we say, nearly you know it's becoming a bit of a theme now, isn't it? You know we're we support all Kingston Rovers. We want to watch them play. We're getting sick of all these postponements, and and. It looks like it's only going to get worse before it gets any better. So it's just it's just frustration week after week after week, and I think a lot of people, a lot of supporters are 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 at boiling point with it, mate, because you just can't see you can't see the end. No, people are losing interest. It's as simple as that. And I mean, when I feel sorry for James O'Brien when he put it on twenty four hours before it actually got announced. You know, he said, don't want to bring you this news, but blah, blah, blah. Salford are having another round of testing. You know now, as soon as that gets put out, there's no point even saying that it's going to be on. There hasn't been a game where it's been in contention and then it goes, no, it's fine. Everyone's going to be working. And it comes down to this same thing. The last podcast when we spoke about it, and in a way, with Salford, I get the fact that they don't have big a bigger squad. As like the likes of St. Ellen's and Warrington doing, they don't have an elite academy, they don't have a proper academy. But that's not Rovers' fault. When does it come down, Chris? We've had seven postponements now. Two of them was on our basis because it was when we had COVID. But we're coming up to five games now, if you include the Catalan one that we obviously played on Saturday. We haven't had a 24-0 victory. What justifies a 24-0 victory? I know they say it's these seven out of the top 25, but Salford only have about 25 anyhow. So you know as soon as it happens, Rovers aren't going to get the points. And surely it's got to come down to a point now where the RFL look and say any postponement. If Rovers postponed it, the other team gets the points. If Salford do, Rovers get the points. I saw a good um, post on the forum and someone said last year we had we was missing about 10 players. 
when the lockdown started again, the likes of Mossy Quinlan was injured, Levette was injured at the time, who was with us in 2020. Apart from that last game, that we didn't fulfil, we didn't miss a game. Why is it different now? Everything's going down in the cases, the vaccines and stuff. But it just seems to be getting worse, mate. I don't know what to say, and it's hard because we want to stay positive on here because we don't want our listeners to, you know, be down downbeat when they're listening to the podcast. But it's it's so frustrating, isn't it? Yeah, and I think it's um, a, you know, it's like we're um, we're just playing one-off cup games, aren't we? Because we're not able mm. to to get any momentum, we're not able to get any uh, rhythm into our rugby league because we're stop start, stop start. Um, and and the problem with these games that have been called off as well is, realistically, you can't see where they're going to fit, fit them in. I know Paul Aiken released a statement, didn't he, on the back of the Salford game being called off, and, and he says that they've got a couple of gaps towards the back end of the season uh, where they're going to, you know, potentially rearrange some games. But you know, you, you've got to think about the Rover squad as well. What what position might they be in? Because the, the demands on the players are going to increase when you look at some of the, the scheduling of games. And, yeah, we're, we've got a healthy squad at the moment, but, you know, I guarantee once we start playing a few games, we're going to start seeing a few injuries. And and we're going to end up being... We're going to be the ones who um, suffer because we're having to cram all these fixtures in, whereas other teams will have had these, you know, weeks where they've not been playing similar to us granted, but they've not been playing and they're going to have a more steady fixture list. So, you know, it's just it's just some madness, isn't it? And fundamentally, we thought all the shit had finished last season, didn't we? When we had that chaotic season down to COVID. And in reality, this season's turning out even worse, isn't it? As a supporter, because we've had the we've had the carrot dangled, we've been to Craven Park, we've been to a few away games, we've seen the boys in action. And now, you know, when we should be playing... We're not able to play, so it, it's it's massively frustrating, mate. It is, and you look at what people will put in. Like people have to fork out money, and I know you get your money back, but the Rovers fans, you know, apart from a few, that no, not many wealthy wealthy supporters where they can fork out the likes of. 30 quid, 20 quid a ticket. If you're taking your family, 60, 70 quid you've done out for twice if you was going to Saints and Salford. I know we get our money back, but it's coming to the end of the month. It's tough on these fans because it's still in their account, the Rovers account for five days. People will be struggling because, you know, it's the life, isn't it? And it's, I'm looking at the table now, mate, before I read the statement by Paul Lakin. It's just so disjointed. Catalan played 14, Saints 12, Warrington 14, FC 12, Wigan 16, Hulkingston Rovers 11, Leeds and Cass 14, and then you go down the table to 9th, 10th, 11th and 12th. You're looking at this table, mate. Rovers are 6 we They're still in a playoff spot. We've played 11. We've won six. Um, we've lost five. We're on a 54.55 percentage. Wigan are above us on 62. But realistically, they've played five games more. You're only about two wins away from being in the top four nearly. And that's the frustrating thing. We're finally having a good season. We're finally progressing. To play two games in seven weeks, it must be so tough on Tony Smith, the players, and especially Paul Lakin, our chief exec. And it was announced about five minutes after the announcement of the postponement of the Salford game that Ulkingston Rovers chief exec Paul Lakin is frustrated with more disruption to the schedule following the postponement of the Robins trip to Salford. The club faced seven postponements so far this year, most of any club, yet remained focused on doing everything to fulfil their minimum number of 18 fixtures required to qualify for a playoff place. Lakin said, we are naturally frustrated. This is our seventh consecutive postponement game and there is no doubt that the track and trace protocols are badly hurting the sport. 
as we showed, we flew out to France on short notice. We were desperately to play this weekend. We tried to rearrange a game, but um, Huddersfield and Lee didn't want to do it. And I think that just sums up rugby league at the minute, mate. I understand it's short notice, but we're all in the same bubble, if you'll pardon the pun. We're all in the same area of we want to get these games played, we want these fixtures fulfilled. Uddersfield and Lee, we were willing to go to them games. We were going to be playing away. We wasn't going to be playing at Craven Park. We'd have gone and played anywhere. Tony Smith said that. We went to France. We could have travelled two hours to Lee, an hour and a half to Uddersfield, but they didn't want to do that, mate. And that's why the sport is on its ass at the minute, because these teams can just say, no, no, it's too short notice. And the RFL go, yeah, that's fair enough. Yeah, but I think I do think that there's been I understand people's frustrations, but realistically, you're not going to get a club able to get their stadium ready to host a game. And why would Lee and Huddersfield give up their opportunity to maximise their income by bringing forward a game when they don't have to? And and that's the and, and ultimately, mate, the game. You know, we're looking at the game about the the products on the pitch. The game, the clubs are looking at how they can you know increase their revenue get some money back in what's been another, you know, difficult season for clubs. So so to expect Huddersfield or Lee to, to quickly agree to a game where they've got no chance of getting, you know, sponsors in, you know, home fans, you know, they might people might have already made other plans, so they're looking at a reduced capacity, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. So I think a lot of people have been looking at this through sort of rose-tinted spectacles, and quite rightly, we're, you know, we're all Kingston Rovers supporters, but I, I, for one, never thought that would be taking on Lee or Huddersfield, and I, I just couldn't see how it would work, and, and, you know, as soon as, as you know, they said the Salford game was off, it was looking ahead to Monday, so there was no chance of playing Huddersfield or Lee, um, and obviously we've got Lee coming up, haven't we, a week on, uh, a week on Sunday is a Sky game, which added to the probably added to the fact that they wouldn't bring that game forward because obviously we know Sky is so influential. So, yeah, mate, I, I think there's a lot of, there's just a lot of negativity around Rugby League, around Ulkington Rovers and, and around Super League at the moment because we're just ultimately frustrated and we want to see our team out on the pitch. Yeah, it's it's so tough, isn't it? There's arguments on both points, mate. And if you look at it now, the table, Rovers have to play seven games to fulfil that minimum spot. I tell you what, it'd be hard. It'd be hard on OKR if we missed out because of these, because of teams not willing to play us and teams having these COVID protocols. For you, mate, it's so tough because you don't know what's happening week in, week out. But you'd think there'd been statements. They'd think there'd be a meeting called. I think there is supposed to be on Friday, but you guarantee that'll get pushed back. Where does it go? This track and trace, this app, this pinging, pinging mania, they're calling it, aren't they? People, there's faults in them systems. People get pinged and it's wrong. Uh, there was a person who said, I haven't been out of my house for two weeks and I got pinged last week. It, it, the app's obviously not 100% efficient and this is what clubs are relying on in some sense with these track and traces and with everything around these protocols. Is this, is this what it's going to be like forever? I just don't see how you can carry on for a certain amount of time and then go, no, it doesn't matter now. We're just going to forget about it. Surely now, with everything that's happening in the world, the RFL, the, whatever, the governing body, whoever's sought these sanctions out, something's got to change because I guarantee when the Premier League starts, nobody misses a game. So why is Super League affected, mate? It's so frustrating and, it, and it's embarrassing. It's a bit of a laughing stock at the minute. I know it normally is, but it's, I mean, we was driving back from Old City, weren't we, in Scunthorpe, the friendly on Saturday and 
when Rovers there was nothing on telly, it wasn't, there was no telly access, there was no commentary. You can't, you don't think they're playing, and that's what this season's like. You don't know when people are going to play. I mean, there was a game last night, Wednesday night. You see games on a Monday. At the minute, it's kind of just we'll play it by ear every week, and that's why for us doing this podcast, it's tough at the minute, and it's a plan around what we're going to do, what we're going to speak about. So I just don't think things change, mate. I really do. Well, that's it. And as soon as you said to me about. Do you want to get tickets for Salford? I was like, do you know what, mate? I think I'll chance it and pay on the day because I don't think that, you know, I don't, you don't have any confidence about whether the game's going to go ahead. And that and that's, you know, even from a week before. Yeah, and now I'm looking forward to, like, Magic Weekend, etc. And you think, well, at this rate, with, so with the games that off, how, how can that be going ahead? Or how can, you know, but whether they introduced the, the testing that they brought in, you know, to help, Castleford and St Helens fulfil the Challenge Cup final. Maybe they should uh, bring that back in because um, it definitely helped. It definitely helped them, didn't it? Yeah, and that's the thing, isn't it? Saints and Castleford fan. A few weeks before the Challenge Cup final, absolutely no cases. The day after, we all know what happened there. So obviously that is our take on it, guys. I know where you're as frustrated as we are. Obviously, mate, there is somebody who will be playing this week, and that is Mikey Lewis for the York City Knights. It was announced a few hours before that all Kingston Rovers can confirm. That Mikey Lewis will remain at Betfred Championship outfit York City Knights on a rolling week-by-week loan deal. The deal comes with an option for an immediate recall to the Robins. The club wishes Mikey all the best with his temporary move and we can't wait to see him back in the red and white. For me, mate, no argument. Again, short and sweet. We spoke about Mikey a lot on this podcast. He's loving it at York. He's the lead halfback. We talked about him playing at Wembley. For me, there's no issues with this. Rome Milne's in, even in their halfbacks at the minute. He's been Takarangi and Abdul. And you put that out, didn't you, and got a lot of negative response about the halfback pairing. It's not what we think. It's what Tony Smith thinks. And I think for the foreseeable future, it'll be Takarangi and Jordan Abdul. But we'll move on to that. Mikey Lewis, more game time. Leading halfback. He's only young. He's getting game time in a good league. You know, it's best for both worlds, isn't it? Yeah, and, and like you said, he you know he start Michael always started the season, doesn't he, as as Jordan Abdul's partner. You know, he he showed some some outstanding talent. He, he showed some of his rawness, and I think what's key for him, and and we've mentioned it on numerous occasions, I wouldn't he, that he gets regular game time, and he's getting that York. He, he he's he's you know leading an experienced team there and an an experienced forward line and and he he's, he's it looks like he's enjoying his rugby league and I just hope it's you know this is all building to next season and we and we see you know Michael Lewis starting to get more regular game time in the the red and white and all Kingston Rovers because unfortunately mate we've seen it in the past haven't we where these young kids have, have burst onto the scene at Rovers they've They've not then got the opportunity as much as they probably needed in the first team. They've gone out on loan and then the careers at Rovers has, has pretty much fizzled out. You know, you, you only have to look at Matty Marsh to see to see what happened with him. And, and you know, we don't want a repeat of that. So I hope he's, you know, I expect he's being managed very well. Tony Smith has, seems to have a bit of a plan with him, doesn't he? And, and you know, he, he went out in York when he first went. He was playing at uh, fullback, wasn't he? And, and Tony Smith went happy, brought him back. He's obviously now playing at half-back. So, I think it's a good move all around, mate. And at the moment, you know, like you said, Takarangi seems to to be the partner for Abdul with Milnes playing the supporting role. So, so it's vital that Lewis is getting game time. Yeah, definitely. And you look, Matty Marsh is the full-back for York now, funnily enough. And like Matty Baharrell, who spoke about them young kids who didn't really get the opportunity. But Mikey is getting opportunities at York City Knights. So we'll move on, mate. We'll speak about the Catalan game away before we speak about the Catalan game on Monday, which, fingers crossed, will be going ahead. 
So we'll watch the highlights and we'll talk through it. But this was the starting lineup, guys. So it was Adam Quinlan, Ben Crooks, Greg Minikin, Sean Kenny Dowler, Brian Hall, Takarangi and Abdul in the halves, with Lawler, Litton and Mar in the front row. Kane Lynette and Louis Johnson and Dean Hadley made the starting 13. On the bench, it was Albert Vette, Matt Parcell, Corbin Sims and George King. We go through the highlights, mate, obviously. We, again, we was driving back. We tried listening to it on um, French radio, didn't we? But we just couldn't stand it. <laughs> couldn't, couldn't understand it at the best of times, mate. Never mind when they go excited when there's an essay, which obviously is a try. Rovers, what a first half, mate. We'll speak about Jordan Abdul before we um, move on to the proper highlights. The first try of the game. A little shift play from Jordan, um, from Jez Litton. He hands off Mike McMeekin. Jordan Abdul runs 15 metres. Good hand off by Abo again on McMeekin. 4-0 to the Robins, Abdul converts his kick. Perfect start and what a player Jordan Abdul's becoming, mate, because to take your line on like that, he hasn't got much pace, Well, but his kicking game is technical and his strength is becoming a leading halfback in Super League and that is why, is he still second on the Man of Steel? Yeah, he is. Yeah, he is. Yeah, and obviously he's got in the team of the week again, hasn't he? You know, and put out about, you know, Sean Wayne, is he, is he watching Jordan Abdul? Because, you know, he's one of the outstanding, uh, consistent English performers this season, and you know he didn't get he didn't even get a look in with a night squad, did he? No. So uh, you know, but he's consistently performing. Um, and and I wonder, is he anyone? Can you name a more dangerous player, sort of ten to fifteen meters out from the trial line? Because some of the players he's come up with this season have been outstanding, and and he's using his power and his strength to his advantage isn't he when previously he got a bit maligned for it didn't he people saying he was overweight and he was too big to play that role well actually in a lot of situations now he's using that to his advantage oh and that was his nickname wasn't it when he was at all kebabdul and stuff like that every everyone digged at him and he started at 13 at all played a few games in the center then predominantly went half with price and sneed and now he's trimmed off a bit and he's becoming a leading halfback so you know well done to jordan abdul long mate continue obviously he signed a two-year deal mate so we'll be seeing him in red and white, same as Jez, for a long time. This second try, mate, if, if you're know, obviously, it's the one where Dean Adley, the knock-on incident, and I, I, obviously we didn't watch it, but I don't think Dean had his best game for all Kingston Rovers. Ball from Jez Litton, Dean Adley knocks on. He goes for a drop-off play to George Lawler. He knocks on. That's fair enough. I'm watching it on the highlights, mate. Ben Garcia knocks that ball on 100%. Matt Whitley picks it up and, and scores. It's a double knock-on. It's Catalan ball, 20 metres out. The referee don't give that. He gives a try to Catalan. And them little decisions, mate, can cost you, can't they? And that um, gave Catalan 6-6 six, six after about eight minutes. But if there was a video ref there, they'd have probably gone. There wasn't on this occasion, unfortunately. Rovers didn't get the look of the bounce. No, and, it, you know, first of all, it was a you know bad error from Adley. We wanted to, to give up possession so close. Very to uncharacteristic, mate. Yeah, yeah. And, and to be fair, he's been one of our most consistent performance, performers, hasn't he? Especially... You know, over the well, when we have been playing, he's, he's been he's been really consistent for us, and he's he's pretty much nailed that uh, that position for himself, hasn't he? And and you know, to, for him to make an error like that is uncharacteristic. I agree with you, mate. I think it is a double knock on, and, and the player should be brought back. And we're going to see some uh, a couple more uh, refereeing decisions, which are uh, dubious, aren't we? Um, <laughs> because. Um, you know, like you said, if he'd gone to the screen, no doubt we'd have been brought back. But, you know, Rose getting the early try and, and Catlin obviously coming back into it, it sort of set the tone for the rest of the game, wasn't it? Because it was quite a topsy-turvy game. Um, and you only have to see Rose next try to see, to see, you know, Jordan Abdul's kicking ability. 
and and Rovers' creativity by keeping the ball alive. And uh, you know, Kenny Dow goes off the line for for his try. Does Sean Kenny Dow look better with a beard? Because I think he does. Uh, well, well, I, I I liked him before, but I thought it was you. Yeah, well, I, I can understand why you like it. Yeah, I, I do. I'm, I mean, I'm looking at him now, and he takes about five years off, and he looks rugged. <laughs> People yeah. think weird, mate. Anyhow, that left-hand side, obviously, we spoke about it there. Kane Lynette, nice little pass back from Kenny Dowley. He was on the floor. It looks like nothing was on. Kane Lynette feeds SKD, and it's another try for the skipper. That left-hand side, mate, it's good in the air as well, isn't it? We're Ryan all, and that's what we've lacked over these years. That left-hand side, they can attack it, they hit good lines, especially Kane Lynette, but they're also a threat in the air. And really good try from OKR. Off-the-cuff stuff from Abdul again, not really a set move. That's what when we're over the best. Yeah, and, and McNamara talked, didn't he, after the game about Abdul kicking and, and how Catalan just couldn't deal with it. Um, and, and that was, you know, a, a kick, you know, a pretty simple kick, put in a good position, but that left edge is so dangerous. You only need a sniff of a chance and 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 to see the three of them work, you know, so well together to to get that try was a continuation of what we've seen throughout the season. Yeah, definitely, mate. So obviously that was twelve six to the Robins. You mentioned about a man Jordan Abdul who's dangerous from ten meters out. I tell you, a person who is up there, mate, Sam Tompkins. He's done it for years at Wigan, the Warriors, back at Wigan um, after his stint in New Zealand, and now for the Catalan Dragons. He celebrated a one year deal. Stepping round the likes of Will Maher, Jeslett and Will Maher will be disappointed in that very lazy effort. And Louis Johnson, again, missing that one-on-one tackle. He gets away from about four defenders there. And that's why Tompkins is probably one of England's most influential players over the past few decades. He's an unbelievable player. And, you know, sometimes you've got to put your hands up. But a bit sloppy defence, especially down the middle. Tony Smith will be frustrated with that. Yeah, and I think Tompkins has sniffed that out, haven't they? You know, you've got a sliding defence, all the big men in the middle. Tonkins goes back against that sliding defence. And, you know, there's a couple of poor efforts, really, isn't there? But, you know, at that time, Rovers had tired legs. You could understand maybe why there was, uh, you know, flapping a little bit. Um, I think even if Johnson had grabbed him, Tonkins was probably still able to reach across the line there, wasn't he? So, like you say, mate, that is Tonkins all over it. He sniffs out these opportunities uh, where other people, you know, other players probably wouldn't. And... For me, he's still the you know the best fullback in the competition. Apart from obviously Lachlan Cool, who is uh, coming to all Kingston Rovers, um, but I think he he's a, an outstanding performer, and you know it just shows, doesn't it? Topsy turvy the game, how it was going. Uh, Catalan getting themselves right back into it. Yeah, they did, and like I said, we were just refreshing it on our phone. We got the news that Abdul had got a penalty kick, made it fourteen twelve to the Robins, and then what happened in the last um, in the two minutes after that. You know, it was a bit shocking, really. We didn't really know what was going on first. Again, a wonderful kick from Jordan Abdul. Tompkins couldn't get nowhere near it. A few dodgy bounces. Minikin collects it from Fawad Yaha, runs 20 metres under the sticks. Rovers are then leading 20 points to 12, mate. Rovers get the ball back from the kickoff. A few drives. Jez Litton doing what he does best. Scooting, offering options to the likes of Vete, Corbin Sims. Gets in the middle of um, Matt Whitley and Josh Drinkwater. Throws out a wonder pass. Adam Quinlan goes 60 metres, takes on Tompkins one-on-one, steps Sam Tompkins and goes under and Rovers at, what, 26-12 up after 33 minutes? We didn't know what was going on, did we? Yeah, and, and you know, that Quinlan drives, that's, you know, the best of Quinlan, isn't it? That support play, that speed, um, being able to, to run metres um, and, and evade the defenders. Uh, but, you know, Rovers had really... Took the game to Catalan there, aren't they? And, and we talked about Abdul's kicking, you know, 
that kick, uh, the, the first kick um, that he put in. You know, Tomkins gets under it, doesn't know where he is, and then Rovers are quick to capitalise on it. And you know, you got a real sense that Rovers were were, were building something really good here, and, and the half-time score, mate, was well justified. Um, and we're going to talk about the second half because it's obviously frustrating that they let go such a, a big lead. But you know, Rovers are an attacking team, and the two tries we've just mentioned there were. were you know, testament to Tony Smith's game plan and philosophy. Uh, even though Tony Smith says he want he wasn't particularly pleased with how we played in the game. No, uh, he's a perfectionist, isn't he? And that's what when we put it out about the full time, say Rovers threw a lead away, and we got a few people saying they haven't threw, they haven't played for five weeks. We're not saying about the effort. We're not saying that the you know they haven't given hundred and ten percent. But for us looking at this, mate, looking at the tries, Rovers were dominating. They had there was getting on the backs of Catalan. There was annoying the likes of McMeek, and he'd give a few penalties away. There was dominating the pack. Jez was running wild. I don't think Matt Parcel played until the forty fifth minute. So Jez was doing a shift there, and that is you look twenty six twelve up. And then you still don't come away with the two points. That's what Tony Smith will be frustrated with, mate. And we'll speak about the second half now. Didn't start the best. We were saying, I always said, our next try is massive. Brad Takarangi, he needs to be better in defence there. Him and Minikin, though you could have got a bus through the hole in between the middle of them. Drink what a little pop-up to it, play to Mick Whitley, and he goes under the sticks. And that you've got to start well, aren't you, in the second half, especially in the south of France. We see the frustration from the likes of George King, Jez, the one happy with that right-hand side defence. What we've mentioned so many times. And in the second half, mate, they cut there and they conceded a few tries, a few mediocre tries, in my opinion, down that side. And Rovers have got to tighten up and be better there because this was a great chance to pick up two points, a very unlikely two points. Yeah, you're right. I think Takarangi is guilty of, of just sort of ambling up to the to the man, isn't he? Where really, if he'd have put a lot more, bit more pressure on him, I think it'd have forced the, the Catalan player to, you know, rush the pass or Takarangi might have even made a tackle, but he just gives him that extra you know, second, don't he, to, to get the pass away. And then, um, you know, he, he scoots inside and, you know, Rose are left, 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 uh, flapping there a little bit, aren't they? And, and maybe he's rushing us coming out of, you know, after half-time, etc. But, you know, the, when people say, oh, they haven't played for five weeks, well, within that game, you can still manage it better than what they did there. And, and I don't think that comes down to... Been having five weeks off because we've seen Rovers make these errors in, in games already this season, haven't we? Especially that that right hand side, and you know it's frustrating. But Rovers were were quick to go up the other end and, and score a try for Abdul. And I, for me, that was the key try. You know, once once we got to thirty points, there was no way Rovers should be should be worried about losing that game. And um, well, unfortunately, you know it, we see what happens after that, don't we? Oh, we were saying it as well, weren't we? I mean, we was, we was translating, there were some funny translates from the Catalan um, Twitter feed, but what we justified was Abdul did a, a spiral kick, it bounced out, so again, another wonder play from Abdul. Two trap tackles in, he picks the ball up, and a little see you later from Arthur Morg, and he goes over again, mate, fantastic by Jordan Abdul, we all know what he's capable of. Rovers led 30 points to 18, five minutes later, straight away, a bit of play from Agro de Costa, Sam Cassiano apparently was outstanding, he was the game changer according to the French press, he does a little one-two with Mikel Goudemond, he goes under the sticks just to the right-hand side, that'll make it 24 points to 30, mate, and then again, this left-hand side, um, Right-hand side defence, sorry, Tomkins, plays it to Drinkwater, plays it to Julian. But again, you've got Minikin, Takarangi, Crooks. There was no line there. And with them skill players that we've just mentioned, Drinkwater, 
and especially Tompkins, you give them an inch, mate, and they'll take a mile. And Julian will pass it to um, a cut-out ball to Fawad Yaha, and again, he'll score an easy try. They get the kick, 30 points each, mate. And from then, we, you know, it was nearly home, weren't we, driving from Scunny? We knew as soon as that happened, nine minutes on the clock, we knew probably ball game was heading to the French team. There was a penalty incident. This is what we'll speak about last, mate. So I'm looking at it now. Goudemont runs in. Dean Adley goes for the one-on-one strip. There is a bit of afters. You're looking at it now. You can understand why it was given, but it's dubious anyway. It could have gone either way. That it could have been a knock on. It could have been a penalty. It was given a penalty, and then Catalans get the two points, and that was the ball game, mate. What's your thoughts on that penalty incident from Dean Adley? I, mate, I don't think it is dubious. I think the referees made an absolute cock up. I think. I think. You know, you see the two players on him. Um, is it Johnson? Um, it's, yeah, it's Johnson and Adley. So we're going in now, as we can see, obviously. Sorry. You've got Johnson and Adley obviously making a tackle. Adley obviously gives Johnson the call that he's going to strip it. So Johnson, you know, rightly lets go of him. And surely that's got backwards from Adley. Yeah, yeah. So Adley's entitled to try and rip the ball. He's actually facing, his feet are facing the Rovers' trial line and his head's facing the, the Catalan uh, trial line. So... Once he's in the process of stripping the ball, obviously he doesn't he doesn't gather the ball and the ball comes loose, and the ball comes loose because the Catalan player has knocked it forward. So at no point is the as Dean Adley knocked that ball forward. He's entitled to strip it one on one. So the only error comes from the Catalan player who's knocked it on. So it's beggar's belief that the penalty goes against us because obviously it's ended up winning the game for Catalan. And and you can guarantee if it was the other way around, if it was at the other end of the pitch, you can guarantee Rovers won't be getting that penalty. Yeah, and that's a frustrating thing for me in it when you're looking at it back now. It is Rovers let Catalans back into that game and we're not saying that Catalan didn't deserve it. They've come back there, but that penalty was, you know... The referee's in a great position. He's right. Yeah, it's, that's the thing, mate. It's not like it's been a break and he's tracking back and he's looking on side. It was a slow play of the ball. The, it won't LB at his shoulders and it the floor. So for me, it, it, it's gone against all Kingston Rovers there, mate. And we've lost 32 points to 30. And that's probably why... Tony Smith was so frustrating about his performance because we was in such a good lead, especially after that Abdul um, Abdul handoff in the second half to make it 30 points to six, um, 18. If we want to be up there, mate, especially come to the back end of the season, them are them games. We've got to be clinical and we've got to be finishing them off. It, we can do it. We've done it against the likes of Wigan. We did it against Leeds at the beginning of the season. So it is there, but this is a chance that we've missed big style mate and I'm hoping come Monday which we'll speak about now that they know what they need to do we've been beat by him in Golden Point we've been beat by him by two points hopefully it's um, a rematch revenge rematch the third time lucky I'm looking forward to Monday mate I mean and it's frustrating because we're supposed to be playing today we don't um, obviously when we're recording this guys it's Thursday it'll be out tomorrow on Friday but we haven't got long to wait mate back under the lights at Craven Park 7.45 7.45 kickoff. everyone back, no restrictions. Oh, Catalan seem to be OK on there. No, they never really miss any games, so I do think Monday will be on. I believe it'll be the same teams. There's been no changes from Old Kingston Rovers when it was the Salford game, so I imagine it'll be the same team on Monday. Catalans will still have the same team, I believe, mate. I don't know if Maloney will be back after suspension. Same no, they've got... Um, oh, it was missing, oh, uh, broke his arm, didn't he? Uh, oh, Garcia. Yeah, Garcia will obviously be out. But other than that, you'd think you'd, you'd expect it to be the same Catalan squad. Um, and, and obviously, we've played them twice now. We, we lost Golden Point, didn't we, first time out. 
we've now lost by two points. And, you know, yeah, we're absolutely gutted that the, the loss because, um, you know, I think, you know, when you're in a position like that, it, it, it's it's yours to lose, isn't it? And, and you know, that's easy to say, but that's what Rovers have ended up doing. But I think there's there's plenty of positives in that, mate, to, for, for Rovers. And, and I'm confident going into the game on Monday. You know, you've, we're hopefully going to have, you know, a decent crowd in. I think Rovers have capped it at 8,000, aren't they? Hopefully it'll be a 8,000 sellout. People are going to be uh, backing the boys. East stand's going to be loud and proud. Um, the Rovers players, you know, this is the first time that, you know, Takarangi, Corbin Sims, Albert Vette, you know, this is the first time that they've got to play in front of a, you know, a foolish Craven Park. So we owe it to them to to show them what what all the hype's about. And and if we do that, I think we'll push them over the line, mate. And you know, I think this is a game where Rovers are going to show a bit of swagger and a bit of style, and and hopefully Catalan just won't be able to a deal with the crowd, but also deal with a, an attack-minded or Kingston Rovers side. Yeah, and that, that's the thing. When you go to the south of France, you're getting you know, a hostile crowd. We've got to make that, haven't we, at Craven Park again now. We've had a year and a half out. Obviously, there was 4,000 of us at the Lee and the Salford game. Us two were lucky enough to go there's to... There's no the... excuse not to, mate. No, there's you not know. now, is there? There's no this, excuse this, this not isn't to. A game to be. This isn't a game to be, you know, waiting to be entertained. This is a game. This is the time to make things happen. This is time to, you know, rally around the Robins. If we want to get the, these boys into the playoffs... Like you said, we've got to make this fortress Craven Park, and for too long now we we we've lost games that we don't need to at home, and and it's been a bit of a myth for me about this Craven Park thing for for a few yeah for a few years now, and and do you know what? This is time to to really back the boys. I know it's a Monday night, so what you know, go to work with a sore head the next day, have a few beers, enjoy yourself, you know. Let's get behind the boys, let's cheer them on to victory because. You know, hopefully, if we do get a run of games, this could be the start of a, a really good run that that pushes us into them, and uh, maybe the top four, but definitely keeps us in them playoff places. Yeah, definitely, mate. And like you said, there we need to because if we get a big win on Monday, we'll be quite healthy in the um, points percentage. We've only got six games. I think we've still got about twelve to play, haven't we? But we only need to play six to be obviously guaranteed that playoffs. I know it's talking about it like this, but that's the thing, isn't it? We're in such a good position now. Leeds are creeping up. They've played a few more games. They're just a bit um, below us, aren't they, in the table. There is a few games playing over this weekend before we play on Monday. But yeah, mate, perfect chance. And I'm looking forward to it. I'll, you know, in the North, stand back with everyone, back with my family, my mates and stuff. You're in the North as well, aren't you? I'm just looking no, forward. No, no, I'm back in the East End now. Oh, you're hardcore. Yeah, back at, yeah, I'm back in the East End, so I'll be... Uh... I'll be uh, shouting my head off, swearing, uh, getting behind the boys. Nice. Well, yeah. I hope I might be able to see and hear you from that north stand, mate. I'll be in the um, family stand looking after my granddad. Someone's yeah, well, you, you'll make sure you, you keep yourself sat down. Don't get, don't stand up. Don't block anyone's view. <laughs> right, mate. Obviously, before we get to Michael Carter, we're going to speak to him out. We're going to okay our shirts. Really good bit. Something different, obviously, if you haven't seen Make sure you follow Mike. He's on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. He's got a really good collection, mate, hasn't he? And we've been willing to get him on the show for a while. He's banging to his kits. He does YouTube videos. He's got a full collection. He's got some good ones, especially from the olden days. He's got one like plane shirts from early 2000s, the 90s, a few um, new ones, especially signed by the players. And I'm looking forward to speaking to him, mate, because um, he's a big Rovers fan, known him quite a while now. And I think he shares the same passion that a lot of us does. Yeah, it's, it's, I mean, a fantastic collection. And obviously, it's not just a collection of 
or Kingston Rovers share. It's it's, it's match worn ones as well, isn't it? Yeah. So you know he's got he's got a lot of history on his hands, um, and and you know hopefully we can give him a bit more exposure because you know he, he's got a wealth of knowledge about all Kingston Rovers and about all Kingston Rovers share. So it's a really exciting one, mate. And and just before we introduce him, obviously. Um, We've reached, you know, over twenty thousand listens on the since we we started the podcast. Um, you know, what was it now? What were we five five months ago, six months ago? Um, you know, the, the support people have given us, the amount of listens we get for each podcast is phenomenal, and and it, it's just thanks to everyone who's listened, mate, innit? Because you know, without them, we, we'd we'd lose our motivation to do it if people weren't listening. So hopefully, people enjoy enjoy the podcast. Um, people enjoy the heritage cast. Hopefully, we're going to get another one sorted very soon. Um, but just thanks for everyone who's listened, because it's um, like you said, it gives us the motivation to 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 keep doing them, doesn't it? Yeah, it does, mate. And like I said, when we look at how many people have viewed it, especially after 24 hours, you know, you wake up the next morning, you're looking at a few hundred already, and that's great for us. You know, we expose it. We've We've had a lot of really good guests on. We ought to bring you them soon. Obviously, we do work around each other, don't we? We're both in different types of jobs. You've just had a little one, you know, both busy and stuff. Obviously, well, not a minute. I've got seven weeks off, so I'm just sat on my ass at home. But, um, <laughs> yeah, it's, we're looking forward to getting more guests on it. Obviously, we mentioned about Ben Kane. We've got a few others that are going to come on in the near future. But, yeah, thanks, guys. We really do appreciate it. Keep up the good work, listening to us, sharing. We really appreciate your comments. And remember, we are just fans as you, it's an independent podcast. And as always on this Red Robin podcast, mate, we'll finish with this tipping league a bit shorter. We'll just make it up as we go along with these fixtures. We're recording it now, mate. It's nearly five o'clock on Thursday in an hour and 15. Our opponents on Monday, Catalan Dragons host Wakefield Trinity in France. So Wakefield are playing in France tonight, mate. I'm hoping Wakefield bash them up. We get loads of injuries, get loads of men sent off. But I don't think that's going to happen. I think Catalans will win. Yeah, that's it, isn't it, mate? I mean, I think it's going to be a Catalan win. Like you said, you know, we don't want to wish ill on anybody. But, you know, if maybe uh, Wakefield do sort of, you know, bash a few around, and which means that they're away for, for the Monday's game, you know, I'm all all up for that. But I can't see anything cover than Catalan recording yet another victory. Yeah, and then the Sky game tonight, mate. Um, Ull FC against Lee Ranos. I've just seen um, Phil B put some on there about um, no t- Ull FC have put about what the cannon can't take into the stadium. They said you can't bring any tools into the stadium. So Phil has quoted and put, still playing behind closed doors then. Little dig by our regular guest, Phil Barrett. They're hosting Lee Ranos, mate. We spoke about it before we came on the podcast. It's a bit of a tough one tonight, isn't it? I mean, last week was funny at Uddersfield when Cervelio spat his dummy out and they got beat by the bottom of the league, Uddersfield. But tonight, you're looking at it from a Rovers perspective. You probably want all to win tonight just because Leeds are a bit below us. Obviously, we're about a gate, two games away from all now, aren't we? Because we haven't played in so long. But if Leeds win, I think they're only a game in front with the percentages they only need to win one and we lose on Monday and they're above us so it is getting close mate I'm hoping an FC victory so I'm going to say I want them to win tonight and I'm sure you'll make a dig at that yeah mate I think I'm absolutely devastated we haven't played them bin dippers yet because I think we'd have to wipe the floor I'm so angry um, but I can't see anything other than Leeds victory mate because I think Leeds Leeds I've got Leeds, they, haven't, they haven't been consistent this season but Obviously, they know they need to chase Rovers down and, and all of, you know, I'm sure everyone's uh, heard about their injury list and COVID and all that, you know, because they're not afraid to tell everybody, are they? So, I, I'm going for Leeds victory as much as, um, on this occasion, I want the Bin Dippers to win, but I think it'll be uh, a Leeds victory. 
Okay, and then obviously Salford and Ulkingston Rovers and Lee Centurions and Castleford are postponed. No games on Friday, no games on Saturday. We moved to Sunday. So we've got Wigan, who played last night, ever playing Lee Centurions. Wigan every day of the week for me, mate. And Leeds are hosting the Warrington Wolves. That's a tough one. I'm going to say it depends on tonight's result, but the way I'm thinking, you think Leeds will win tonight. I think all will. So I'm going to say Leeds will beat Warrington on Sunday. So I think Wigan beating Lee and, um, yeah, Leeds beating Warrington. Wigan and Warrington for me. Perfect. And then we move on to Monday because obviously we won't do one before the Catalans game, mate. So there's three games on Monday night. Obviously, Wakefield and Salford already postponed due to Salford's COVID testing. Less said about that, the better. Castleford against Huddersfield, mate, first. At Wealdham Road, I think Cass just. Uh, yeah, I, I'm going to agree. I'm going to go Cass. Yep, and then Hull FC against St. Ellen's Saints. Saints. And then Rovers against Catalan. Obviously, the revenge is on from the two games, mate. Rovers pick up the points percentage and we're happy going into next week. 100%, mate. That's what we want, isn't it? That's what we need. We just need Ulkington Rovers to be out on the pitch, mate. That's all I'm hoping for now. Let's just get out, let's enjoy our rugby and let's hopefully then get the victories we need to, to keep us in them playoff positions. Definitely, mate. It's a bit of a weird start, middle end um, to the season. It's probably going to be a weird end, but stick with us, guys. Obviously, we're as frustrated as you. We'll keep these podcasts going, hopefully, in a positive light. Remember that Rovers are back. No restrictions on Monday at Hull College, Craven Park. They'll be hosting the Catalans Dragons for the third time this season. Remember, a quarter of our games has already been against the league leaders. It'll be a big ask. But as Chris mentioned earlier in the podcast, get behind the boys. Get back in the East Stand, the West Stand, the North Stand. Is Craven Street ready? Uh, there's been nothing official, has there? And hopefully the uh, the club will get it up and running because we, we need to help them financially, don't they? Because obviously they're taking a big hit at the moment. So hopefully it, it's some of that's uh, on the horizon because we're... Everyone will be itching to spend the money, have a beer, have something to eat, no doubt. Even you, Ebenezer Scrooge. Well, I'm happy for other people to buy me a beer, so yeah, the sooner it can get started, the better. <laughs> Definitely, mate. <laughs> so, guys, that's been it from just me and Chris. Obviously, the regular podcast is now over, but stay with us, give us a minute, and we will bring you a live interview with Michael Carter from Hulkingston Rovers Shirts. Remember, guys, follow him, OKR Shirts, on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Follow us, the Red Robin Podcast, on all social media. Thanks, Chris. Give us a minute, guys, and we'll see you soon. Welcome back to the second part of the Red Robin podcast and we are joined by a special guest, Mike Carter, or you may know him better as Hulk AR Shirts on all social medias. Mike, it's great to speak to you. Thanks for coming on, pal. How are you doing? I'm doing fine, Joe. Thank you very much and thank you as well, Chris, for having me on. Really been looking forward to this. Oh, no, pleasure, mate. Just before, obviously, we speak about your shirts and your involvement with the club and everything, how did you start supporting Rovers? How was it growing up? Was you hooked from a young age? How did that come about, pal? No, I'm I'm quite of a, an interesting entity, really, with mine. I didn't start following Rovers until uh, 2009, um, so I was 19. So I'd missed quite a lot of the uh, of the good times, really, if you like, um, and a lot of the bad as well. Um, in, interesting story. I was on the bus on the way home from work as a, a young 19-year-old lad, and one of my mates had rang me up, and he was like, Mike, I've got a, a spare ticket for Rovers tonight. Do you fancy coming down? And I'm like, hmm. I don't really know. Never really been interested in rugby. And I thought, you know what? I'm going to go. I've got nothing else to do. And I went 
and I was like, oh my God. You know, I was in the East Stand. Uh, I believe it was against Wigan at the, the back end of 2009, obviously our, our best season for a long time. And it felt like a really good atmosphere. I, I enjoyed the game. Didn't really know what was going on too greatly, but I just knew that I absolutely loved it. Uh, got home, really enjoyed myself. And then a few weeks later, next home game, and I was like, right. I said to me, mate, I said, you haven't got that spare pass again, have you? And he was like, oh, no, mate, my mate's back. I was like, oh, what am I going to do? So went and bought a ticket, and I've been to pretty much every home game since then. So, yeah, really interesting. I'm always an advocate for passing your passes around. You know, if you can't go, pass it to somebody because you never know. Because if I didn't go that once, then there's obviously, what, 13 years worth of uh-huh. supporting Rovers coming up to. So, yeah, amazing. Yeah, that's the thing. And it spread the word and stuff. It's weird, obviously, hearing that story, mate, because, you know, you look back and there's been some really good times, some bad times. And when we speak about your shirts that you've got, you've got a collection, you've got an abundance of both the highs and lows, the seasons that we've been through. 2021, bit of a different season at the minute, mate. Obviously, we knew what happened last year. When we're filming this, it is after the Salford game's been postponed. Seven games now, apart from the Catalan one that we played. We're really frustrated, mate. How are you feeling? Just the fan base, it's, it's a struggle at the minute and it might to get up for it. We don't know when we're playing. You could find out 48 hours before that you've got to go play Huddersfield or Salford or go to South of France. It's, in your opinion, where's Super League going at the minute? Because we spoke about it earlier in the podcast and we're just so upset because we love rugby. Like you said, you know, you love going in the East and now you love going to all the old matches. We've been to two games. They're all getting postponed. We're back on Monday. But even at this moment in time, Friday, when we're filming this now, we don't, we don't know if we're going to be playing on Monday. You just never know, do you, anymore? No, it's it's really hard to, to get in, in, you know, into. Um, <clears throat> the the Shet collector part of me is worried that I'm not going to find a match one Shet because we haven't played that many matches. And it's going to be, you know, a, a player issue Shet and not a match at the end of the season. Match one, sorry. Um, but yeah, it, it's, it's disappointing. You know, I think... Like you say, seven games in a row that we've had postponed now. Um, the majority of them likely won't get played either. So, yeah, it's really, really disappointing. I think, you know, it, it's not necessarily the club's fault. And we, we know that. I feel like it was probably set up from the start that it, it could go this way. You know, I think that if you was to to work out, when you look at it, because you have to play a certain amount of games, it, it could be in a position where you can, it could be manipulated, let's say. And I'm not saying that anybody necessarily has manipulated that, but it is manipulatable. And it's just, you know, I think if it had been better, if we could have just played what games you'd have played, had a normal league season and no relegation, just scrap it, just get through the year, get through 2021 and come back in 2022, bigger, better and stronger. Yeah, it's, uh, it's. Um, I think the writing was on the wall, wasn't it, at the start of the season when when they introduced the, the points per game percentage, etc. And obviously... I think they took a gamble, didn't they, on, on backloading the end of the season with fixtures in the hope that, you know, by then COVID had, and the, the country, etc., would be in a different position. But, you know, we're all looking forward to Monday night now and, and, and Rovers getting back out on the pitch. Um, so, so fingers crossed, mate, we're, we're going to start seeing uh, some more regular games because it's it's a big frustration of ours. And, and ultimately, like you said, you got hooked by going to games, standing in the East Stand, hearing the roar of the crowd, you know, and and we're in danger of maybe missing a generation now, aren't we, of, of young people who were able to go to games simply because we're not playing and, and we need to get back out on that pitch, don't we? But let's talk about why we've brought you on, Mike, and it, it's your love of not only Ulkinson Rovers, but it's Ulkinson Rovers shirts. 
just tell us about how he got involved because that's that's an interesting story as well in collecting the shirts. Yeah, I mean, a lot of people probably look at me and think I'm strange for collecting <laughs> grown men's clothing because at the end of the day, that, that's what it is. <laughs> but, but it's something that it, it was kind of my interest in shirts came long before my interest in Rovers. From from a young age, I've been a football fan and. I used to have all sorts of random teams, football shirts. I used to have an Aston Villa shirt, uh, Manchester City, uh, in Manchester United. I've had all sorts of random shirts, for, you know, growing up uh, before I started going to Hull City and, and collecting their shirts. And I've always really been interested in the, the, the different styles. And I do sometimes wish that I didn't support a club so that I could just collect, you know, random shirts and have different shirts in my collection. Because I feel like, you know, you can't wear another team shirt nowadays without being, being associated with that club. So. It was kind of a young age that I got into shirts. And then where it all started really with uh, with Rover shirts was obviously I started attending in 2009. So I was picking up my replica shirts, as you do. And it was away, uh, a game <clears throat> in 2012, we was playing London away. And I remember it quite well because it was the uh, the day when we found out that Bengalier had joined Hull FC. And the morning of the game, um, I'd put a picture on uh, Facebook and it was me, 2012 away shirt on the back of my bedroom door. Picture went up and it was like ready for today's game. And a, a mutual friend uh, of mine, uh, I know Paul Cook, and he'd commented on this uh, on this picture. And he said, um, great shirt, Mike, but I've got an even better one for you than that if you want it. My last ever Rovers playing shirt. And I'm like looking at the comment thinking, oh my God, you know, <laughs> this, this is unbelievable. And it wasn't until that I'd met up with Paul and he'd give me the shirt that I realised the differences between that shirt that he wore during a game and the replica that I'd bought, you know, a few years prior. And that then kind of started my, uh, <clears throat> started me thinking about these shirts and how different they are. And I thought, you know what, this is really interesting. And that was how I got into collecting shirts. So sometimes, depending on how I'm feeling, I either blame him or I thank him, do I thank Paul, <laughs> uh, for, for giving me that shirt and starting, obviously, what has turned into Hulk Air shirts. It's amazing that, isn't it? I mean, obviously to start your collection off with a shirt like that is, is couldn't understand why you'd you want to, you know, carry on that. Because I, I suppose it's a bit like um, you know, once you get one, is that enough for you? Or are you are you always then on the hunt for the next one? Is is that is it that drive for you to to keep collecting and collecting? Because also I suppose it's there's there's not an infinite amount of shirts out there either, is there? No, it's a really it's a really interesting uh, subject and it's a really interesting thing to collect because completion is nigh on impossible. Because what what is completion? What what does it look like? Y you can't physically have every single shirt because yes, okay, you might get a, a style of shirt. So you know, like let's say this season's home shirt, you might get one, and this season's away. But then there's what potentially thirty players that wear that shirt. So you could then have 30 different player shirts from every single, you know, you're never, ever going to have every single shirt. So how I look at it is I like to try and have at least one of each style. So um, from a player perspective and from a replica perspective. So from a player perspective, I've got a style of shirt from 2007 all the way through to 2020. So that's home, away and third. I've got every single one. The intention is when I've got one is to then try and find a second of each. And the reason why I like to try and have two is because I do various exhibitions with the club and with the community trust through their heritage team. I like to try and display shirt forward facing and rear facing. So if I can get two of each, then that's amazing. Um, but once I've got the one, I'm kind of content. 
Um, and, and then obviously you have the, the step up of looking at what player you might have. So let's just say you had a 2015 Academy shirt worn by Joe Appleyard. I would yeah. try then and up, I would try then and up, <laughs> I would try then and upgrade that to let's say a shirt that was worn at Wembley in that year or in the, the you know the Challenge Cup semi-final against Warrington. So yeah, it's always about just trying to upgrade what you've got. Yeah, and obviously when we look at your um, your Twitter and your Instagram, mate, it's not just shirts, is it? You've got a lot of the training gear. I saw you put that old style bag on the other day. So for you, has it gone a bit more advanced now from just shirts? You've got some cracking training gear. I mean. You put the was it from the eighties that that dark red and blue tracky top, and I think I quoted it and put how much do you want for it, Mike? And there's some great training gear as well, and some <clears> there can become a bit more valuable, can't they? Especially them ones from the eighties, mate. You've got some crackers. Absolutely, Joe. Yeah. Um. So when you kind of get into a, a position I am now, where I've got a lot of different things, it's really hard for me to find things that I don't have. And this is where your collection generally tends to expand because once you've got everything that's sort of physically available to you at a time, you just see something and you maybe wouldn't normally jump at it, but you do jump at it because you, you've not had anything for, for a little while. Um, I mean, that, that bag that I, that I posted uh, the other day, I got that off Facebook Marketplace for 13 quid. Yeah. So it, it, won't, you know, it, it wasn't an expensive find. But you've just got to look in the right places at the right times. And, um, you know, that, that Wembley jacket that you uh, refer of, Joe, I think every time I post that, do I know that you're going to quote it or like it or, 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 or comment on it? Because I know how much you do, you do like that. Yeah. Um, but that I picked that up a, a few years ago. But that, that was a cheap find as well at the time. I think I paid 30 quid for it, which, you know, it's, it's absolutely nothing. But it, it's just been in the right place at the right time and finding it. Um, I've only ever seen three of those jackets. And that's the one I've got. Um, the one that one of my mates has got. And then there was another one that I saw on one of the uh, Facebook selling groups, but the, the club badge had all unstitched and was really in a really bad way. So it, there's not that many of them around, but a lot of it's just about, you know, timing and, and places and, and just being in that right place at the right time. It's funny you mentioned there, Mike, about picking up, you know, a cheap, you know, a, you know, mm -hmm. the bag for not a lot of money. But obviously the fact that people are now collecting shirts on a quite a big scale, aren't they? You know, there's, there's lots of people who are, you know, it's quite fashionable, isn't it, to have a retro share and an original share, etc. Have, have you found that's puff, pushed up the prices or, or that people are holding on somewhere a bit longer, whereas previously they might have been, you know, quite happy just to let you have them? They're actually keeping hold of them or asking for extortionate amounts of money for, for, for certain stuff? Yeah, within reason. Um, you're right, there has been a, a big boom in the retro market across most clubs now. And what, what, well, one thing that I put it down to, which hopefully we're going to find a little bit more about soon, is that the lockdown that we had. So obviously, you know, we've been looking at, let's say, 18 months. I know it's not quite been as long as that, but in the last 18 months, the share prices on eBay have been rocketing. And that's a lot of that is, in my opinion, because people hadn't been able to spend the money on other things. You know, they've not been able to go on holiday, go to the pub, go to sporting events. So they were spending more money on shares than, you know, what they'd ever, what, what they ever had. So that pushed up the price a lot, in my opinion, in the last sort of 18 months. So it'll be interesting to see what sort of turn that takes now because people can spend money doing other things. So it'll be interesting to see if it was a, you know, a lockdown fad or whether it is a general uh, sort of starting point for people to, to start a collection up. Yeah, definitely. I'm sure we'll see prices and all that, mate, you know, going up, down. We'll see obviously lockdowns done some weird things. Never mind what it'll do to the prices of shirts. And 
Talking of shirts, we know that you collect them, we follow you on social media, the people who listen will as well. But the probably the main thing for you now, what you do and what we enjoy watching as well, is talking shirts. So this is on your YouTube page, you can subscribe. Just go into depth, tell us a bit of what you do, what it's about, and how you started doing them YouTube pages. Yeah, so uh, talking shirts, as you said there, Joe, I do a, a new episode every, every fortnight. So there's a new one coming out uh, this afternoon. So that one will feature the, the 2020 third shirt, the Mind charity shirt. And that one was mm -hmm. worn by Matty G against the FC. So, yeah. yeah, I go into depth and I talk about, about the shirt, but I like to go into as much depth as I can. So we'll talk about the, the design details, things that are maybe different on that shirt from something else. And it's, it's very visual, which is why I do it as a YouTube video opposed to doing it as a podcast. So I feel like you, you need to see the visuals of it. You need to see what I'm talking about. And you need to be able to sort of see and create your own opinion, because I think that's where a lot of it comes from. It comes from an opinion. Everything's subjective. So I, I try not to sort of put too much opinion in there if I can without pointing out that it is my opinion, because I think it's quite easy for an opinion and a fact to be confused as being the same thing. So I feel like it's, it's good to be able to sort of point out what facts I know about the shirt and then allow somebody to sort of delve into their own opinions with it. But yeah, episode 40 is coming out this afternoon. So I've, I've, I started doing it in January of last year. So I've still got quite a lot of shirts to work through. But I did it every fortnight instead of doing it every week because I didn't want to run out of shirts too quick. So yeah, got, got plenty of content still to still to come. Yeah, and if anyone has has watched the um, has watched it on YouTube, you know you've got a, a fantastic wealth of knowledge around shirts. I wonder how, how do you get to know so much are you in contact with the the you know the companies who make the shirts is the somebody in the at the club who you can refer to about the shirts or is it a case of you just you know being like a detective really and, and because if you go on your kit tracker where you, you track where you know setting what shirts being worn at games etc you're not just telling us which shirts are being worn you're telling us about the details as well if if a sponsor logo is missing if if there's a slight, you know, change to a shirt, etc. So you must take up a lot of your time just doing this detective work. And, and is there any people that you can lean on for extra information? Yeah, I mean, a lot of it is detective work. And there's nowadays, there's so much content that goes onto social media. I mean, after a game, the amount of photographs that you can find from, from a game, it's incredible. And it's about just trying to find as much information as you can. So I'll always have a good little look on social media. I mean, some things get past me. I didn't realise that they'd taken the, the iconic sponsor off for the, for the Salford game at home until I got home and I was watching the game back afterwards and Brad Takarangi was doing his post-match interview with Sky. And I thought, hey, up here, he's got two Super League patches on there. What's this all about? And then you start sort of working backwards from there. So with the more with the with the more modern footage and, and imagery, it's it's quite easy to sort of spot these things. I think when you're as interested and invested in as I am, it's such a big part of my life and such a big hobby that it kind of comes second nature to sort of spot these things. Um, I spotted something on another team shirt the other day, and I know somebody who collects their shirts, and I was in conversation with them about that, and it, it just kind of I don't know, it almost just becomes second nature of something that you you just do. Um, I've got a good working relationship with Craig Franklin as well. So anything that he can help me with, he'll always try try and do his best for me. So I feel yeah. like it's you know it's it's good to sort of have have those sort of connections as well. Um, obviously with me being a part of the Heritage Committee uh, through the Community Trust, I do a lot of work with those 
those guys on the heritage evenings and the heritage sessions. And there's some really knowledgeable people that goes to their sessions that, that can talk about the club. Um, obviously, Keith Pollard, who you've had on as a guest, uh, Roger Pugh and Brian Leeson are, are really, really knowledgeable on different areas of the club, not necessarily shirt related, but they're able to then help me and provide me with information that does then help me identify something to do with shirts. So, yeah, it's, it's a good working relationship that I've got with those people. Yeah, and I'm, I'm pleased that you get the support from the club because, you know, it, it, you, 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 you've got history. You, you've got the history of the club in your possession in, in a way, haven't you? And, and I'm guessing you've probably got the largest collection of, of Hulkingston Rovers shirts out there. How, how many shirts do you have, Mike? <clears throat> yeah, I mean, I've never never claimed that only because you never you never do know. You know, I know some some shirt collectors who have got quite a lot of uh, <clears throat> a lot of shirts as well. Um, so I've got 112 player shirts. So that's what I would class as being match worn or player issue. So those have either been worn in a game or issued to a player for a game. And then I've got a further 65 replica shirts. So that's obviously the ones that you buy in the club shop as a fan. So the, the oldest shirt in my collection currently is uh, from 1986. And obviously the most recent is 2021 with me with replicas that I've bought for this season. So, yeah, it, it spans quite a lot, really. It's creeping up to 200, not too far off 200 combined now. So, yeah, it takes up some space. Yeah, I and bet, I, mate. Go on, Chris. Do you, you want to go, mate? Yeah, I was going to say, mate. And, and obviously, you've got that massive amount of shirts. What... I wonder what, I suppose it's a, the obvious question, what is your favourite shirt and why? <clears throat> I knew that you were going to ask me this question <laughs> just because it's sort of one of the go-to uh, one of the go-to questions and I've, I've, I've made a note of two because I can't quite split them. So uh, the two shirts that I really, really, really like that if I had to sell up would be the last two to go is I've got Michael Dobson's 2008 home shirt, which was his debut shirt. Uh, it was his first shirt that he ever wore for Rovers um, against Harlequins at Craven Park. Uh, so looking back on the history of that one, he actually scored two tries on his debut in this shirt. And recently as well, I've been able to photo match it to the, the Wigan game at Craven Park where Dobson scored four tries. So for me, it's about trying to find out what shirt a game, sorry, what game a shirt was worn in. And being able to prove that is quite high up on my agenda. So to be able to prove that that shirt was worn in those two games through videos and imagery uh, is really good. And the second one is I've got Matt Parcell's shirt from the victory over Leeds at Headingley in 2019, which was a few weeks after he'd signed for us. Um, he made his debut at Hull FC, uh, against Hull FC at Craven Park, sorry. And then we played Leeds at Headingley um, a week or so later. And I've got the shirt that was worn in that game. But what makes this shirt really special is that it was actually cut from his back. I was going to say he got injured, didn't he? Yeah, um, yeah. There was a very aggressive, unnecessary challenge on him late on in the game. And he, he did his shoulder in and they had to cut the shirt off his back. So the shirt I've got has actually got a cut all the way from the, the, the rear left side, all the way up the side, <clears throat> down the arm, up the shoulder to the neck. So it's actually like you can almost lay it flat. So I've had to put 20 safety pins in it to pin it back together to uh, to hang it on a coat hanger because it kept falling off. Um, but he scored a try in that game. He was man of the match. It was a great performance. And obviously we, we missed him in the, uh, the the following weeks. So yeah, those two are probably my, my favourite. I have done episodes of Talking Shirts on them if anybody wants to have a, 
a closer look. The Dobson shirt was episode 21 and the Parcel shirt was from episode 26. Yeah, death all guys, get on YouTube, have a look at that, mate. And I'm just going through all you know your photos and videos on Twitter, Mike, at the minute. Some great ones. Ian Morrison's from the uh, Northern Rail Cup. You've got Travis Burns. You've got all the new training gear. Dobbo's, like you mentioned, that Wigan game probably cemented him when we got him on the podcast. He said he had a shit start. He was saying, why have I come here? And in that Wigan game, that was when he knew we'd made the right decisions. But you have, you've got, like Chris said, you've got a bit of history. And I want to speak to you about a special shirt that you've got. And that's Jordan Cox's, the late Jordan Cox from 2014. Obviously, it's such sad news when it broke last year. You know, during COVID, it was a bad time anyhow. And then we found out the news that Jordan has passed. You, you've got a very special shirt there and you must feel privileged. I think, it, was it his mum who got it for you? I think you put on Twitter, didn't you? So you've got some really good, special memories there, not just for the good times, but also the bad times. And you've got a piece of Jordan Cox's history there. He's, you know, he's 27 years on earth. You've got a very special shirt there, mate. So it must be, it must be a good moment when you get stuff like that sorted. Yeah, I, honestly, this is, this is quite, it's quite emotional, to be honest with you, Joe, because... Yeah. Um, as a shirt collector, I think sometimes people assume that things come for free and that it's, well, you know, how have you got that many shirts? People just must give you them. I think out of all my, my shirts, I must have maybe between 10 and 15 that have been given to me and the majority of them I have paid, you know, paid good money for. Mm. And the the interesting one with, with, yeah, with the Jordan Cox shirt, I, I got a tweet uh, through, a direct tweet through from Jordan's mum, Amanda, and it just sort of said, um, hi, do you have any of Jordan Cox's shirts? And my, my, my initial first reaction was that his mum was looking for something from his playing career to remember him by. So I, I just replied and I said, oh, I'm ever so sorry, but I don't have any of Jordan's shirts. Um, if I did, I, you know, I would have quite happily passed it back to the family because I obviously understand the tragedy of, of what's happened. And she, she replied almost instantly saying, no, no, I'm really sorry. I think you've got the, the wrong end of the stick. I've actually got one of Jordan's shirts and I would like to give it to you to, to sort of put it into your collection. Um, I'd love for Jordan to be remembered yeah, within, within your collection and, you know, within, within the history of the club. And it really took me back because it was completely not what I was expecting because it's, it's just something you don't, you know, you don't imagine to, to ever happen. Um, you know, you watch, you watch Jordan's career. Um, my wife actually went to school with him as well. So, you know, it, it kind of, really hits home when something like that happens and you know i'd arranged to, to go and meet we meet her and i went went to the family home to pick up the shirt and i was talking to her for a good sort of 20 30 minutes just about, about jordan and about rugby and it was yeah it was such an emotional experience and i remember sort of walking away with a shirt and thinking you know this 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 is incredible just you don't ever you don't ever imagine it and for her to sort of reach out to me as well and you know to donate that that shirt into my collection um she must trust me enough to know that it'll stay with me and that you know, I, I'm not going to put it on eBay or sell it because of of what had happened, and you know, to look to make a quick look off it, and it was just yeah, it, it says a lot about her as a person, them as a family, and obviously what what they've what they believe in me for what I've, I've done with my collection. Yeah, and I think it's a fantastic tribute to you, to be honest, mate, about about the respect that you you pay to the shirts and and the. And the story that you tell behind them, you know, like you say, you're not just a shirt collector, you're actually telling a story. And and it, that's that's priceless, isn't it, really? And, and it's great, obviously, you do the work with the Heritage Committee because hopefully that work's going to continue going forward. And and there's been some special shirts over, over the years, hasn't there? And obviously Rovers have, have started to introduce a, a third kit 
you know, often associated with with charity. And sometimes, you know, you don't remember that season because of what they've done on the pitch, but you remember it because of the shirts. And I, I wonder if there's any shirts that stand out to you, uh, you know, regardless of, of the seasons that we've had. Yeah, um, the one that I really, really like is the 2017 home shirt. And that was the one that pay, paid homage to uh, Roger Millwood, um, who had passed away, you know, the previous year. And the, the, the detailing of the shirt, I, I think, is absolutely brilliant. Obviously, we've got the tributes to Roger, um, on, you know, the, his quote on the, on the back of the shirt. It's got his name um, inside the back of the neck. And it's also in, on the inside of the neck on the player spec shirt as well. So when the guys are pulling it on, they could see see Roger's name. And the thing that I find really interesting about that shirt is it was a shirt that nearly never was. Uh, after a conversation with Craig Franklin about this shirt, the, the shirt wasn't designed to be a white shirt with a, with a red band for 2017. It had a completely different look. Um, I don't know what it was going to look like. But after Roger had passed, Craig had sort of said to the, to the team at Rovers, we can't go with this shirt for next year. We have to go full-on traditional. And that's why we had a, a white shirt with a red band in 2016 and 2017. And it's not something you normally see nowadays, especially from the commercial aspect of, you know, trying to trying to sell shirts and uh, having two shirts that look the same two seasons running. It's not usually good for from, from a marketable point of view. And I thought that was really good that the club had gone to the effort of completely redesigning a shirt to really pay tribute to Roger. Yeah, and I think it's that kind of that that kind of detail and that kind of nod to the past, what makes Hulkingston Rovers so unique, isn't it? And, 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 and why fans feel such an affinity and have such a bond with a club because it is them, them things that sometimes probably go unnoticed, uh, but, but them kind of things that, that really bring fans, the club players, etc., closer together. And it's funny you should mention the 2016 shirt because for me that them three shirts was, is my favorite collection, our, our favorite um, group of shirts had the obviously white and red shirt with the red red stripes. You had the navy blue and gold shirt, and then probably my favourite charity or, or third shirt, the um, the RNL I shirt. And and I'm putting an appeal out if anyone is listening because I would love to get my hands on that shirt. I've got the home one. I've got the away one. It's the the away shirt. I'm a size large. Happy to pay money if if anyone's got one, going spare. But but for me that was my favourite collection, Mikey. Yeah, it was it was a good year uh, for shirts, and that brings me on to a, an interesting point that I'll just kind of bring up myself here, is that I feel like a lot of people don't judge a shirt on its aesthetics; they judge it by its on-field uh, success. That's me, so, Mike, hundred percent. So now <laughs> this is where obviously you can tell that you you boys are both different because a lot of people will probably say to Chris, "Well, why do you like that shirt for? We got relegated in it," mm. and it's a really it's a good point but i i always try and sort of step away from uh, the aesthetics of a shirt and sorry not the aesthetics i always try and judge it by the aesthetics of the shirt but not really judge it on a on a success you know i know somebody that won't wear the 2015 shirt anymore because we got beat 15 0 at wembley and i think you're right but we also beat warrington in a semi-final in that shirt as well you know there is there's more things to it and plus it's a really beautiful shirt you know i'm a big fan of the uh, the red shirt with a, with a blue band so it's really good to know that there is other people out there that are quite happy to judge a shirt on how it looks opposed to necessarily how we performed in it. Yeah, and Jesus Christ, mate, if you're spending 50 quid a, a shirt, you want, you want to get as much use out of it as possible. You don't want to just bang it in the drawer, do you, and say, see you later. You want to get your money out of it. 
this is it. And like <laughs> another point, just to quickly add on to the end there, um, a lot of one of uh, people's favourite shirts that's kind of like the the general universally loved shirt is the the, the late Adidas shirt in the late eighties, which is obviously the the white shirt with a red band, um, handsome white print across the front, and we patched over that with Mansfield beers for the last season at Craven Park, um, and we actually got relegated in in that shirt. And not a lot of people remember that uh, or even realise, obviously, it was before I was born. But it just kind of makes me laugh when people judge a shirt on its success and then they always absolutely love that one. When you think about it, there was actually a little bit of uh, <clears throat> of a relegation that came with that shirt too. Yeah. I noticed, mate, you, you only... Is, is it only from 1980 that you, you collect your shirts? You don't go previous to that? It's not that I don't go previous to that, but it's finding something previous to that. So I kind of bill it as 1980 to the present day because um, I had this conversation with uh, with Keith Pollard actually on, on Wednesday night at the Heritage Evening. The replica shirts before the 1980s they didn't exist, so it wasn't a you know a commercial thing back then. You couldn't you couldn't buy one, and to find a, a player one, it would be a white shirt with a red band. But there is other teams that that operate within that same sort of style it would be very difficult to prove that it was even a rover share, even if you got one. So a lot of mine, as I've said, I like to go with as much fact as I can. So I always try and sort of say 1980 to the present day uh, or 1980s to the present day. And then it's now obviously spanning through five different decades. Chris, before we obviously finish up and speak to Mike about the future of Vulcar shares and where he wants to go, what's your favourite share? Well, what do you know? What I think, I think there's been a few, and um, you know, I, like I love that Adidas shirt, you yeah. know. But it, it's it, that one my era, you know. So if you look at at my era, um, I suppose my favourite shirt was either the the blue away one from 2016, um, or the um, what was it, the white shirt with the city culture when it had um. Yeah, I had it on the on the it was the white shirt, wasn't it? The away one. The yeah. Been away one. Yeah, I'm not I'm not a big lover of of the home shirts sometimes. Um, I like I like the away shirts and the, and the fed shirts um, that they bring out. I think I think it gives them the opportunity to be a bit more creative and and a bit more expansive with the design. Whereas obviously the home shirt, you know, you can pretty much predict it's either going to be what it's going to be each season. Like like Mikey said based on last season's shirt, because they're not going to bring out, a, you know, the same one twice. So, yeah, I think they're my favourite. What about you, Joe? Um, well, I've, I've actually got it. So have you, Mike. I'm looking at it now and we think it's the um, third shirt, the 2004 one, the, um, the with number eight. You've got it on the back, Mike. It just, you know, it probably just reminds me, I was, what, at the time, seven, eight, playing on a Sunday, or number eight. So it was, um, what, Jamie Boville, Andy Riley, Paul Fletcher won it back in them days. Just reminds me going with my granddad sitting in the West Stand, going back having Sunday dinner, watching Art Beat of all shows, Chris, <laughs> on Sunday afternoon. Bit of Nick Berry and stuff. So for me, I've still got that shirt upstairs, and that's probably my favourite one, just because it um, reminds me of my youth, even though I'm only um, 23, Mike. But um, it's been great to have you on, buddy. And like I mentioned a few minutes ago, where does OKR shirts go for me? Where's the future? Are we still going to carry on the same? Are you just aiming to get more shirts, do all that? Where does where do you see this going, buddy? It's a really good question because you never quite know when that next shirt is going to come up. Yeah. It's, been, it's been quite 
been quite quiet for me recently. Uh, I've not had a shirt now for about four or five weeks, which is that's a really long time to not have a to, to not have a shirt for uh, when you're in sort of the shirt collecting game. And you never quite know. It's always like double decker buses, you know, the old saying that when you don't, you know, when you don't, when you waited for one, then two come along at the same time. So, yeah, I, I don't like to really put too much emphasis on it nowadays. I mean, when, you, when you're in the, in the collecting game, in the shirt collecting game, it's so easy to sort of get a shirt and then put it down and then automatically look to the next one. One of my little sayings is I'll look after what I've got and don't worry about what I haven't. Mm. And I think I'll always be on the lookout. I'm all, I look probably 10, 15, 20 times a day at various different selling sites on you know Facebook, Twitter, just seeing if anybody's made anything available. I think I'll continue doing what I'm doing. The, the website is a big is a big passion of mine. I mean, it costs me up to hundred pound a year to run that website, and obviously it's really, really well presented and stuff on it now. It's so easy to click and find out stuff. So well done on that. Yeah, I mean, it was just it was something that I, again, it was uh, just a bit of a project that was somewhat a little bit different. Um, just going to give a, a shout out to Steve Lehman, uh, Steve Lehman Plant, who's been great with me, um, who, who sponsored the website and sponsors me, me shirt related posts. So it's really good. He's a sponsor of the club as well. Uh, he also sponsors a couple of players. So he does a lot for the club and he really helps me out um, with with collecting some of my shirts from the players that he sponsors. So that's that's always, you know, really positive. But I just think it's just about trying to capture as much history as I physically can. I'll, I'll do the kit trackers, and a lot of that is just to, is to help me selfishly, because it'll help me identify what shirt a game was worn in, what games to check if I ever find a shirt from a season. But it also helps other collectors out as well. And collecting shirts can be quite dog eat dog. It's it's people are you know constantly wanting to to jump over the next person to to get something that they haven't got. And I've mellowed so much now where I, if somebody wants something, I normally just let them go for it if I don't really have an interest in it rather than just sort of building up on things that I've already got. Uh, but I'll spend time with other collectors trying to help them identify what game a shirt was worn in or if, if they want to try and find a shirt. Or if I've got a shirt that I've maybe got a couple of and it's not something that I'll really that, that bothered about, I'll maybe trade it with them or swap it or even sell it to them if it's something that suits everybody. And I just think it's about just trying to help as many different people get into a really, really fun hobby. Um, I've got a couple of lads who I'm really good friends with uh, who collect Hull City stuff. Uh, Les Motherby of Hull City Kits and Adam Shearsmith, who does Hull City match-worn shirts. We've got a really good little friendship going on there where we help each other. And that really inspired me to do things a little bit differently. That's, that's probably where the social media platform, Hull KR Shirts, really came from. You know, working with those lads, um, we used to do some stuff uh, on YouTube. We used to do a, a kit cast that unfortunately we did stop doing because of COVID. But it was it was really good fun. And it it's just a way of trying to, as Les would say, drop knowledge and support other people and really try and try and help build up that really big love of shirts. Yeah, it's amazing, mate. And, and do you know what? I'd recommend anyone get on your website and, and Joe, Joe will give it a push at the end because, like you said, mate, it's really well presented. It, it, it's so interesting. And even if you, you aren't, you're you not really that bothered about the shirt, you know, you just buy it each season just because you want to put money into the club. I think there's something there to you, for you to be interested in because there's a lot of information, there's a lot of, lot of history and a lot of stuff that you'd never know about shirts. So it, it's really well presented, mate. But I'm gonna finish with one one question, mate, which might be a tough one. And and what I'm gonna ask you is, what do you think is 
not the wear shirt, but a shirt that maybe Rovers have got wrong and 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 a uh, one shirt that you don't particularly like. That would be, and I don't even have to think about this one because it springs straight to mind. Um, it's the the 2017 away shirt. So it was the away shirt that we wore during the the championship season of uh, of our promotion season. It was green and orange. Yeah, rank and. I don't feel like it's like the probably it's probably not the worst ever. It was just one that didn't really appeal to me. I feel like it was maybe a bit of a try at redoing the nineteen ninety two to ninety four away shirt, which was the the one with the green, white, and orange triangles on it that was sponsored by John Smith's and Riding Bitter yeah. you know, across two seasons. I just think that it, it was maybe not meant to be like that, but it it kind of reminded me of that. But it wasn't it wasn't bad enough to be good. It was just bad enough to be not appealing to me, if that makes sense. Um I just didn't feel like it got the got it right. And if you look at the kit trackers and look at the years of the uh, different shirt trackers I've done, that's probably been the most worn away shirt of the last like five, six, seven years as well. <laughs> so we seem to get a lot of wear out of that one for uh, for not a lot of luck really. <laughs> Yeah, they're um, just looking at them now, mate. Yeah, we wore it quite a bit, didn't we? we? Used to wear it at home and stuff like that. And it's weird you say that, but um, you know, I'm suppose everyone has the favourites, everyone has their um, the least favourites. But Mike, it's been great to speak to me. It's something totally different. I've been willing to get you on the show for a while. Um, it's been great to speak to you. Like we said, guys, following at Hulk KR Shirts, you've got Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. You've got your YouTube page. You can subscribe. The website's hullkrshirts.co.uk. Easy to find, mate. Anything else you want to plug before we finish up? No, that's that's pretty much everything. Um, I'm going to give a little shout out actually to uh, the community trust and the, the heritage department. There's a lot of work that goes into um, the heritage of Rovers and it's something that I'm quite passionate about. Uh, we do a monthly heritage session on a Wednesday evening at Craven Park. Uh, it's the final Wednesday of each month. So our next one's going to be the 25th of August. So, you know, get yourself down to those. And we also do uh, looking back sessions through Zoom. And we do those um, every other week on a Wednesday evening at about five o'clock. So the next one is next Wednesday on the uh, 4th of August. And we're looking at favourite uh, retired overseas players on that one. So if anybody wants any of the information to access any of those, feel free just to reach out to me on social media and I will point you in the right direction. Perfect, mate. Thank you for coming on, Mike. We really appreciate it. No problem, boys. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. So that's all we've got time for, guys. With me, Joe Pliard, co-host Chris Johnson and special guest Michael Carter. Remember, guys, follow the Red Robin podcast and follow Hull KR Shirts. See you soon, guys. Thank you.